many know it looks like our culture is, and really worldwide, relations are in a free fall. Have you noticed how, how, I don't even know a good word to describe how we treat each other these days. Plenty of adjectives could describe it. Bad would summarize it. But you know, it's summarized in the scriptures. And I want to talk about the love of God. It'll take me a while to do this. I will be here next week, even though I'll be in Nicaragua. I've been studying and preparing, getting everything ready for there and then next week as well. So I come back Friday night at midnight and then I'll be here next Sunday too. So we're going to have a a busy week, but it's going to be a lot of fun. But we're talking about the love of God. How many know God has given you an antidote to the challenges we face in life? I mean, seriously, in your personal life, in your professional life, in your relationships, on the job, uh, in your community, uh, God has given us the love of God, he's placed it on the inside, and it can make a tremendous difference in how you relate to others. I was, uh, I was raised, uh, just the way I was raised as a young man, you know, when I got up in my teenage years, I graduated from high school at 16 and then went on to college, and, and you know, I, I just noticed that I, I didn't relate well to people. I, 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 I just thought that people didn't, I just had problems and things, and, and you know what I found out when I came to Jesus? And he placed the love of God inside of me. It changed something inside of me. And I'll never forget, I was working in a grocery store and going to college. And I'll never forget, after I had that experience with Jesus, I was working on an aisle. And a person came around the corner. And prior to that, when I looked at people, I would look, at, I would look for a reason to, to, to find a flaw in them and denigrate them in my eyes because I felt badly about myself. How many know the way you feel about you, you project on how you feel about others? So. I did that, and, uh, and for the first time in my life, when they turned a corner, the first thing that came into my mind was, and it shocked me, there's a person God loves. And then the next thought I had was, I wonder what kind of needs they have. I wonder what Jesus wants. I'd never, y'all, I'd never had those kind of thoughts. My thoughts were, your hair too short, your hair too long, you got, you know, your clothes are disheveled, you know, you got to... You know, you got a ward over here, whatever. You know what I'm saying? That's, how many know it's different? The love of God changes you. So, Father, as we get into uh, lesson two today, minister life to us, and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Second Timothy 3, I read this last week. Here's another translation. J.B. Phillips has a great translation of the New Testament, uh, and he says this, but you must realize that in the last days, the times will be full of danger, and he adequately describes today men will become utterly self-centered the bible says men it's men and women a generic term utterly self-centered greedy for money full of big words they will be proud and contemptuous without any regard for what their parents taught them they will be utterly lacking in gratitude purity and normal human affections they will be men men and women of unscrupulous speech and have no control of themselves They will be passionate and unprincipled, treacherous, self-willed, and conceited, loving all the time what gives them pleasure instead of loving God. They will maintain a facade of religion, but their conduct will deny its validity. You must keep clear of people like this. It's amazing that 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul showed us the days just before Jesus comes back. How many know it feels like we're right there now, right? And then message paraphrase, I mentioned this last week. Uh, the disciples asked Jesus what, what it would be like prior to his 
second coming to the earth. And one of the things he said, verse 12 of Matthew 24, for many others, the overwhelming spread of evil will do them in. Nothing left of their love but a mound of ashes. Wow. Now, what is that saying? There's things that are going to burn you up. <laughs> I mean, you know I mean, the whole culture will make you angry, make you mad, make you defensive. And, and you, you know, you just lose that milk of human kindness. That's what he's saying would occur just before he comes back. We have an antidote to that called the love of God as believers. First John 4, 7 and 8, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is a God of God, and everyone who loves is born of God, knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So we talked about that last week, gave you uh, five things about the love of God. Don't have time to cover that. Go back to the um, videos. We have uh, YouTube videos. It's all on our website as well. You can check out last week. I got a question this week. Are you focusing on loving God and loving others, or is my focus on myself. That's something we should ask ourselves every day when we prepare a day. What's my focus going to be? Is it going to to be on God and others or I'm just going to focus on me and my needs? How many know if you keep your eyes on you, you can get really discouraged, really depressed, really defeated, really fast? Is that true? You keep your eyes on Jesus and then being a blessing to others just changes the focus of life. I read a book uh, some time ago and in the book, the guy was talking about heaven. In fact, there's a, there's a couple of books I have entitled Heaven, uh, just really good. And one author noted this, uh, that perhaps in heaven, you will do nothing to help yourself, but every act will be an act to help someone else. Isn't that interesting? Maybe it is that way. What if we live today in a way that we don't try to just help us? I know we got to feed ourselves, clothe ourselves, take care of our families, put gas in the car, you know, buy groceries. I understand all that. But what if our focus of life was others instead of ourselves? It would change things, wouldn't it? So, so today I've, uh, I've, I've kind of t- mapped this out. I've, I've got just enough time if, if Jesus helps me do this right. We got 16 things that we should do with love. The New Testament uh, goes uh, uh, talks about the love of God constantly, and it admonishes us to live and walk in love, and it repeats itself over and over and over. I was thinking about that. How many know teachers know that what you repeat, the ch- students learn? Is that true? In fact, one of the Hebrew words for wisdom um, means to repeatedly say something over and over and over and over. How many know repetition is the key to learning, right? So teachers know that. Uh, politicians, they even have mantras that they say constantly because they want you to remember what they're all about, right? Parents do that. Susan and I had three rules for living. We had four children, three rules. We had those rules plastered all over the house, my bedroom, their bedrooms, the bathroom, uh, the living room, the kitchen, and, and we talked, what, what's rule number two? And they would say, rule number two. What's rule number one? What's rule number three? If you got 15, you'll never do it. We had three. So anyway, we just kept saying them over and over. Why? Repetition is the key to learning. So perhaps, since God knows that, in the New Testament, there's a constant admonition to love. 
And it's not with this self-centered love that all of us have that is set on ourselves. It's an unselfish, God-given love that we're talking about here. And we're going to detail in the weeks to come. We will talk about the attributes of love and go into some detail. I've shared some of these things in my blog, uh, but it's good to talk about them here in person as well. So 16 things you should do with love. Y'all ready for this? Now, let's get through this in Jesus' name. Let's see what we can do. So I'll spend more or less time on some more than others, etc. So number one, 16 things you should do with love. Number one, use the love that God has deposited in you. How many know God gave you a deposit? I'll let you fill in the blanks there. Uh, don't waste what he gave. Romans 5, 5. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And that's what's what I mentioned earlier. I didn't realize that when I gave my life to Jesus and I surrendered my will to his, he dropped something of himself inside of me. How many know the nature of God is love? And when you're born again, his nature comes to live inside. And that nature is love. In fact, the scripture says we know we've passed from death to life because we love the brothers. If you don't love you still abide in death. So God's actually placed a deposit. Everybody say it. God has placed a deposit of love inside of me. So, so why did he place it there? So I was thinking about this. You know, I got a little uh, bug out bag or a bag of tools in my truck. I love tools. Any man, my dad had lots of tools. When he died, I inherited a bunch of them and we had to give a lot of them away. But I just like gadgets. I like electronic gadgets, and I like tools. There's nothing better than a nice wrench. Or I not, now I got this. Now I got this power screwdriver. It's not even electric, but but it's got some uh, torque to it. And I just love those things. How many know if you're trying to take a bolt, uh, a, a nut off of a bolt, and you do it with your hand? Sometimes it just isn't going to work, huh? Or, or you got a screw, and you're trying to take that screw out, and, and it just doesn't work with your fingers. So you get some help. It's called a wrench. It's called a screwdriver, right? It's for things that you can't do by yourself. So see, the love of God is the same way. You have relationships and you're thinking, I, I can't do this. Have you ever thought that? You're in the cubicle beside somebody at work or you've got somebody that you've got to relate to in some vein of life. One of your relatives married this person. It's like, I can't do this. Well, guess what? Not on your own, but guess what? You've got some help. It's called the love of God. It's like reaching in my little bag and getting my screwdriver or getting my wrench. I can't do it by myself, but with his help, we're going to love this person. How many know the love of God is to help you love the people that are hard for you to love by yourself? Is that true? And love the people that don't have the ability to love you back. Yes or no? It's kind of, that's kind of cool, right? So use the love God has deposited in you. It's in your spiritual toolbox. Pull it out. Is that okay? So how many times a week do you think you might have to reach into your spiritual toolbox and say, need some love today, right? Number two, be real with people as you love them. Now a word, I had to actually, I actually got my phone out. I've got this thing called Google Assistant. I don't know if y'all can hear this is going to be weird to do this. Maybe I shouldn't. But I actually pressed Google Assistant, and I said, Google Assistant, hang on. I said, um, define the word smarmy. Here's the definition of smarmy, informal, ingratiating and wheedling in a way that is perceived as insincere or excessive. Ah, insincere. 
Nobody likes somebody that's smarmy, right? And I'm not kidding. When I read this, when I read this uh, Romans 13, oh, to no one anything but to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you'll fulfill the requirements of God's law. Then verse 12, 10 says, love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of the law. Is that, oh, that's not where I'm at. Be real with people. I'm sorry. I just did the wrong. I did number three. Now I got to really hurry. Number two, this is a lesson in watching your notes. Be real with people as you love them. So the, are you the real deal or not? That's the question. I'll get to number three in a minute. Romans 12, Amplified says it really great. Let your love be sincere, a real thing. Hate what is evil. Loathe all ungodliness. Turn in horror from wickedness. But hold fast to that which is good. Love one another with brotherly affection as members of one family, giving precedence and showing honor to one another. But I hone in on that first part. Let your love be sincere, a real thing, not smarmy. You, you know what a smarmy person, you've met a smarmy person? Uh, insincere? <laughs> and it's all plastic. It's all rehearsed. It's all mechanical. How many know you can feel that? They may say, how many know a person can say all the right things, but you know, somebody told them to say that. They don't feel that in their heart. They're just doing that to keep their job. Huh? How many know that doesn't feel good? So he says, be real with people as you love them. Let your love be sincere. Number three, do nothing that hurts. Now we'll get to what I was saying. Do nothing that hurts, offends, or takes away from another person's life. Now, I don't know about you. Does that challenge you like it challenges me? See, what, what's, what's, you, you think the opposite. Well, have I done anything? Have I done anything that hurts, offends, or tokes away from another person's life. And let me say, where this ought to start is at home with our spouse and with our children. How many know people the sweetest pudding to everybody outside the home, but when they get home, it's Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, hello. Huh? Is that true? If you don't have it at home, you don't have it. Huh? If you don't have it, say it, Bo. If you don't have it at home, you don't have it. Come on. Say it, brother. If you don't have it at home, you don't have it. Oh, say it, brother. If you don't have it at home, you don't have it. Come on. Right? Come on. This is great. I'm wasting a lot of time, but it sure is fun. Do nothing that hurts, offends, or takes away. From another person, love does no wrong. So ask yourself, are my words helpful? Are they edifying? Do they build up or do they tear down? Or the way I'm treating that person, am I giving them the cold shoulder? Start in your house, start with your family, start with your children, start with your in-laws, right? And then go from there. You know, when, when, when you leave an environment, do, do, did, did you make it better, Right? So, um, let me just say this after a few years ago, I had a real growth spurt in the area of love and God kind of changed some things about me. And you know what I did? I actually wrote letters to people and I've still got them in my file and I got some back from some people, but God, you know, how many know you're blind to you? And sometimes you think you're right, but you're not right. You think you are, but everybody else knows you're not. 
and you're blind to your own stuff. So that's kind of happened to me. And, and I went through a period of time and God was just dealing with me so deeply. And you'll have seasons of life where you think that, you know, God, you help God hang the moon and you're wonderful. And then you'll have other seasons of life. You think I'm just one of the worst persons that I've ever met. And maybe I was going through one of those. I don't know. But anyway, I just, I wrote these notes and, you know, I said, you know, at the time my actions seemed right and what I said and did seemed right, but I was wrong to you. And I asked them to forgive me. Some people I never heard from, and I can't help their response to me. I only know what I can do. You can only do what you can do. You can't do for others. Boundary issues, right? Uh, you know, I guess I can say this. Before I ever met Susan, I dated a few girls, and this one girl, I just did bad. Did you know after I met the Lord? No kidding. God dealt with me so seriously. I actually called this girl. Did I ever tell you this, Susan? <laughs> Jesus, help me. I actually called this girl after I met the Lord and said, Lord, I, I called her name. I said, you know, I, I'm not trying to date you again, so don't think this is a setup for that. I just want you to know that what I did to you was so bad and so mean and so selfish, and I ask you to forgive me. Can you do that with people? Now, you don't have to go, you know, call your ex-wives, your ex-husbands, your ex-boyfriends, girlfriends. No, don't forget that. I'm just using it as a point. Are there people in your life you need to say, look, I'm wrong, I'm sorry? right? So do nothing that hurts, offends, takes away from another. Number four, make love the biggest achievement in your life. I love this verse. I came across this and it still challenges me. Amplified New Testament. Eagerly pursue, seek to acquire this love. And then notice this, Amplified. Make it your aim, your great quest. You know, there's certain sports I like. And I watch these sports guys or girls, and you know, they're given everything they have to accomplishment, right? And all of us like various kinds of sports, but what about making love your aim? Just like a person who's a great athlete, they give everything they've got to that because they're going to be the best. I don't know if I've ever come across anybody including me. That's their aim, I'm going to love. How many know that would be an admirable goal, right? You know, I used to, and this is a strange thing about me, I like to go to, um, to cemeteries and look at epitaphs on old tombstones. They don't put them on the new ones, but you can find some really amazing epitaphs in some old cities. There was one near my parents' house uh, in Upper South Carolina. I'd go frequent, and they had Civil War era and earlier, and you could see the epitaphs. And interesting, what if the epitaph, wonder if they could put the epitaph when you die on your tombstone, so-and-so loved. Now, now, I don't know about you, but that challenges me. If they can't, what do I need to change, right? Number five, let your words, thoughts, actions, motives, and deeds line up with putting others and their needs above your own. That's a, that's a lot, isn't it? 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Let all that you do be done with love. It's a small sentence packed with so much, right? So every time I enter conversation, I'm sending an email, a text, um, communication in some way with someone, is this love? Huh? Now let me say something that I personally do do you ever have anybody in your life that just rubs you the wrong way? Do you ever get upset? 
How many times a day or a week, right? So, you know, usually when you get upset about something, first thing you're thinking, well, you know, they shouldn't have done that shit and said that shit. And so I'm just going to, I've got to say something about it. And so you write a letter or now you write an email, you write a text. Let me tell you what not to do. Never push the send button. You know what I do? I'm not, I do this. I've been doing this a long time now. Before even the advent of, of email and texting and all that, I would write things. I'd write type letters to people. And I'd sit on it for 24 to 48 hours. And frequently, I would give it to someone else and say, I'd say, Susan Reed Dent, is that nice? She said, huh, uh. I said, well, okay. <laughs> and now, I'm not kidding, I'll send, I want to send, I'll, I'll type a text out. I've got a little place on my phone, the little app. I'll type the text I want to send and copy paste, but I'll type it and I'll just sit there 24 to 48 hours because I'm aggravated. You ever, I mean, I get aggravated. It's like, they shouldn't have said that, done that, blah, 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 whatever. But I just sit there and I, I type it out. I say, that sounds right. Tomorrow when I read it, it's like, that sounds bad. Because why the emotions come? It takes a while for your, you to be able to capture your emotions, right? Because yeah. at the moment, you know you're right. You know they're wrong. But you can say it in such a way, they might be wrong, but you're worse. Yeah. Right? So take 24 to 48 hours before you email or text or or send a note in the mail to someone. Number six, allow your faith to work by being motivated by a heart of love for God and others. How many know love motivates faith? If you're having a hard time getting answers to prayer, check up on your love life. Your love life may be hijacking your faith life. Galatians 5, 6, when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there are no benefits in being circumcised or not, what is important is faith expressing itself in love. It's not outward things, it's what you do on the inside. Faith expressing itself in love. Love is the conveyor of faith. And if your faith's not working again, check it up, check up on your love life. Number seven, use your God-given freedoms for others and not just for yourself. James, uh, Galatians 5.13, for you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I'm free in Jesus. Well, are you using that to help you? Or are you using that to bless other people? I'm free in Jesus. I can do this now. No, you can't. You're free in Jesus to love people and to help people. So, you know, a good thing at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day, do it both. Before you start your day, a good thing to ask is, what am I going to do to set myself up to help people today? And then just before you go to bed, sit up in your bed. I read before I like to read a little bit before I go to sleep, pray a little bit. Ask yourself, who did I help today? If you say nobody, it was not a good day for you. Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Number eight, ask God to help you grow in love in each relationship you have. Now, this is a cool thing to do. First Thessalonians 3, the apostle Paul said, And may the Lord make your love for one another and all, for all people grow and overflow, just as our love for you overflows. May he, as a result, make your heart strong, blameless, and holy, as you stand before God our Father when our Lord Jesus Christ comes again with all of his holy people. So ask God to help you grow in love. Now, to answer that prayer, he's probably going to put you with people you don't like. 
It's kind of like if you pray for patience, you know, problems come. So if you're asking, God, help me develop in love. Well, he's going to put you with people who don't do life the way you do. And how many know just because a person doesn't do life the way you do it, it doesn't mean they're wrong. What, it, what does it mean? They're different. They have different experiences, a different past, different conditionings. And how many know every time you look at another person, you need to look at them and see them as somebody that God loves who is not like you? The whole world, how many know, doesn't, have you figured that out? The whole world doesn't revolve around me, right? A lot of people hadn't figured that out. So if you're raised in an environment where your parents, for instance, gave you everything you wanted all the time, you could have a self-absorbed idea about yourself and really, and really make it hard for somebody, anybody to want to live with you in marriage. I could meddle a long time with this, but we better move on to the next. I think we better move on. Number nine, mimic God by loving others the way he loves you. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, walk in love as Christ loved us and has given himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Therefore, be imitators. The Greek word there is where we get our word mimic. What do you do when you mimic? Well, as kids... Kids will mimic their parents. I used to mimic the way my dad walked. I would walk in his shoes, you know, or say what he said or flail my arms the way he would when he got, when he was making a point. You know, kids do that. They mimic. God says, mimic me. Mimic the way I treat you when you don't do it right. How many know God loves you even when you mess up? We sing it all the time. Huh? Aren't you glad he loves you and, and doesn't squash you? Every time you make a mistake, every time you fail, how many know it'd be a good idea to let the other people around you fail and not make them pay the price? The price of, of, of overt anger, covert anger, huh? Silence, a barrage of words. How many have failed the past week? Please raise your hand. Uh, how did you not fail? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> No, we all fail. That's the idea. How many have failed today? You know, we all do. So you know what? When other people fail, mimic God. That's the way I think about that. Number 10, let your love for them be the first thing people notice about you. Colossians 3.12, since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. You must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Let me, these scriptures are some choice friends of mine. I, I spent a lot of time when I first came to the Lord, 18 years old, 19 years old, 20 years old, even before I met Sue. This scripture, I don't know, there's something about these scriptures in Colossians. They grabbed my heart, and I felt like I was a hard piece of wax inside. When I would read these scriptures, it's like, it's like they were hot. They were aflame. And they began to burn away all the crusty harshness and hardness in my life. And I actually read these many times and wept. And I couldn't figure out why I was weeping. I had this emotional knot in my throat most of the time. I said, God, well, he melted that knot away as I learned to be tenderhearted. You know, how many know hurt people... I was I hurt people. I was a hurt person. And I had to learn that, you know, 
God forgives those people that hurt me. I need to forgive those that hurt me now. And I need to love people and not expect everybody to be a booger, a bad person, right? I'm sorry, I'm from South Carolina. That's the way I talk. But it says, uh, uh, clothe yourselves with love. Now, when the Bible says clothe yourselves, what's the first thing you see when you see someone? What color coat am I wearing? What color shirt am I wearing? What color shoes am I wearing? Well, the first thing you see is the person's clothes. You know, white, blue, gray, green. Camo. Camo, there you go. You know, that's, so, so what is he saying? Love someone. If you love, clothe yourself with love. That's the first person, thing a person sees when they come into your presence. Let it show up in your, on your face. Some people think they're smiling and they're doing this. No, practice, go in the mirror. I thought I was smiling for years. Now, to me, this is a smile. Now, you can't see this if you're listening, but to me, this is a smile. That ain't a smile. And somebody told me one day, said, are you smiling? I said, well, yeah, you don't look like it. I went in the mirror and I started smiling. It's like, that ain't a smile. They saw that. So I started like, and it's a big effort, like, And I don't want to be smarmy either, right? So, you know, yeah, yeah. What's the first thing somebody sees? Let it show up on your face. And then in how you speak in your body language, right? The first thing, that's what he's saying. Clothe yourself with love. Number 11, let your love be your normal response to every situation. I love this. Hebrews 13, 1, let love for your fellow believers continue and be a fixed practice with you. Never let it fail. And then he follows up with verse 2. Don't forget or neglect or refuse to extend hospitality to strangers in brotherhood, being friendly, cordial, gracious, and sharing the comforts of your home and doing your part generously. Isn't that great? For through it, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Have you ever had the thought that that in the Old Testament particularly, angels would mingle with the people in the city? They're checking out the city. I wonder if angels still mingle around with us. Maybe you're at the grocery store and you're like me. You're in a hurry and your cart's full and you're doing this. I wonder if that person up front's real. <laughs> the person behind me or the person over there. And somebody maybe keep glancing and they're seeing you're kind of like, hurry up yesterday, hurry up today, let's get it done. Maybe they're checking you out. You ever thought about the fact some of the strangers around you may be angels unawares? Could it be? So let love for your fellow believer continue and be a fixed practice. Let it be your normal response. Number 12, love intensely. Everybody say intensely. See, we're going to do this today. I'm amazed. 1 Peter 1, 22, since you've purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently. Everybody say fervently. With a pure heart. That Greek word literally means stretched outedness. That's what one expositor said. It means you're trying to give something to somebody and they're not quite close enough to you. So, I mean, you've got to concentrate. Got it. 
Let your love be like that. I mean, you concentrating on that thing. You're going to love that person intensely. Let me also say this. I've spent a lot of time in my life, and I'm still imperfect and working on it, but one thing that's helped me with all my issues based on the way that I was raised that I found Scripture like these in the New Testament that encouraged me to love, and I have spent time meditating. Now, this is not Eastern metaphysical meditating. This is taking the Word of God and saying it slowly over and over to yourself. You can read it, and you can read something a few times and actually memorize it, and then if you ruminate it, let it go over and over, emphasize a different word every time you go over it. That's called meditating, and meditating has an uncanny way of dropping what you know in your head into your heart so that when you, when you start to act, instead of having an automatic response you've had for years, suddenly, well, actually, it's actually slowly, uh, it evolves inside and you replace behavior with the word. How many think that can happen? It can. So um, love intensely. And a good way to do that is by meditation. Number 13, love others as if they were part of your family. And I'm talking about a nice family, not a crazy nuts family. Okay, I get it. First Peter 3, 8, somebody's always going to say something. Finally, all of you uh, be of one mind, having compassion for one another, Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, message paraphrase, summing up, be agreeable, be sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate, be humble. That goes for all of you, no exceptions, no retaliation, no sharp tongue sarcasm. Sarcasm was in my family. That's something I really had to overcome. Sarcasm, the, uh, I think the Latin word means to cut the flesh. It means to cut someone with biting comments, biting words. Um, instead, bless. That's your job, to bless. You're a blessing. You'll be a blessing and also get a blessing. Number 14, let your love for people cover their mistakes. Isn't that good? 1 Peter 4, 8, I love amplified above all things. Have intense and unfailing love for one another. For love forgives a multitude of sins. Uh, covers a multitude of sins, forgives and disregards the offenses of others. It may be an offshoot from Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up contentions, but love covers all transgressions. How many know, how many know if love covers a multitude of sins, what you shouldn't be doing is repeating other people's mistakes? Let somebody, I read one guy after one guy uh, years ago, and I love what he said. He said, let somebody else's mouth do that, but never, never yours. You know, some people live, that, I mean, they live for the gossip. They live for the morsel. They live for the negative. Oh, and in fact, you can almost, I've seen it happen. Did you hear about so-and-so? And some people say, what, what was that? What, what was that? You ever seen somebody like that? Run from a person like that. Because if they'll listen to something negative about someone else, they'll say something negative often about you. Huh? So you, do you do that? Do you, have, you listen for the salacious things, the surrealist things that people have done or said? What was that? Where was that? You're, you're at the supermarket. There's the magazine. Well, look at I didn't know they did that. I didn't know they did, acted that. I didn't know. Turn your head from those magazines. You know what I'm talking about? Huh? And then in the break room, I mean, if they're going to talk about everybody in a negative way, walk out the break room and, and re, drink your coffee in the hallway, right? 
Don't do it. Don't do it. Love covers mistakes, doesn't expose them. So if you're a person that exposes other people's failures, that's proof positive that I've got to work on my love life, right? Number 15, we're almost done. Y'all good? Would others know that you're a Christian simply by how you treat them? Yeah, it gets quiet. 1 John 3, 14, we know we pass from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. So take away your Christianese, your speech, take away your Bible, take away all your emblems of Christianity and all that, your bumper stickers. I don't like bumpers. I don't do bumper stickers. I just don't. Your, your license tag, anything that has to do with it says that you're a believer. Would a pe- person know you're a believer? just by how you live your life? And would they, would they actually, at, at the job, do you ever have someone say, there's something different about you? If you have that happen, you know what that is? What's inside showing? Now, you might be in a work environment, it's hard to talk about it, say, well, meet me at lunch and let's go out and I'll talk about it, right? But if, if they see it, they're gonna ask. That's what Peter said. Sanctify, set apart the Lord God in your heart. Be ready always to give an answer to everyone who asks you of the reason of the hope that is in you. When I first came to Jesus, I don't know, it so revolutionized me inside. I would be humming or, you know, and even now, I'm doing one of three things. It's a DNA thing for my dad, I think. I'm either humming or whistling or singing anytime throughout the day. And so when I was on my aisle working in the grocery store as a college kid, just came to Jesus, people come up to me, and I never met this person in my life, and say, are you a Christian? I said, why'd you say that? Well, you're so happy. I said, well, yeah. And some people say, why are you so happy? And I would say, well, how do you know I'm happy? Well, you're singing, you're humming, you're whistling. I said, well, I'm sorry. So no, it's a good thing. How many know if it's on the inside, it should show up? Huh? Not by what you say, by how you live. Huh? Somebody said, witness to others and use words when necessary. That's old, but it's true. Number 16, would your prayers be answered if they depended on how you currently treat others? Start with family, spouse, children, brothers, sisters. Right? First John 3, 22 and 23, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment. We should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another.